Greetings Grapple fans and welcome to the latest edition of Match of the Week, a wrestling book club, a smorgasbord of all things grappling that's out there, that uh, is put out there by myself, Simon Cross, and my other, let me tell you something, co-host, Lorcan Mullen. As you can tell from the fact that I'm hosting this episode, it's a pick of mine this week. Surprisingly, uh, we're going sort of into like Lorcan's preferred world. Not maybe not his preferred era of this promotion, but his preferred world. That world being, of course, Ring of Honor. We're looking at a match that takes place, physically takes place on the 27th of February 2016, but actually goes out onto the airwaves on the 9th of April 2016. Would you like to give the listeners a little uh, idea, or actually just outright tell them, because that would be more convenient, of the match that we are discussing this week, Lorcan? Well, it's a Ring of Honor mainstay. It's a fight without honour. Usually a feud capper. Wrestled under no disqualification rules, no count out, fought to a finish. And it's between two men, one of whom obviously thinks of himself as a great manly fighter, and another man who maybe you would think he thinks not that uh, less of that of himself, but you might be pleasantly surprised. It's the last real man, Silas Young, against the prancing peacock himself, and the reason that we're talking about this match, as this is Simon's pick, Dalton Castle. Simon, do you want to go into a bit more as to why you were keen on us discussing a Dalton Castle match and why you finally landed on this one? Yeah, so the reason I uh, picked a Dalton Castle match is since the moment I've laid eyes on him in AEW, the character immediately captivated and fascinated me. I love everything about the presentation. I love everything about the boys. It's it's just perfect. That's what, like, a camp wrestler should look like, but he is all action in the ring. And he just the way he does the Dalton Castle character so, so well. It's really, like, warmed me to him straight away. I immediately latched onto him. And for those of you that aren't aware, we didn't watch this on Honor Club. We watched this on YouTube, and this match comes with Dalton Castle introduction... And just him going, oh, maybe you want to watch this with a Pinot Noir or a Crisp Rosé. Oh, that man just nails his character so expertly. It just makes him fascinating to watch in my eyes. I think he's a character that does cause an immediate response because whilst he's of a tradition within wrestling, he's clearly his own variation on it. He's added enough differences to it. Obviously, you can see... Elements of the Buddy Rogers, Ric Flair, Nature Boy character. Also, obviously, the campy, gay-baiting, at times in previous eras, of Adrian Street and Gold Dust and Gorgeous George and all of those Mm. historical figures. But I think that the difference is, is that there is no ambiguity to it. In the past, when... Adrian Street and when Goldust came out, they were given a female valley with certain sexual connotations between those two as well. So then it's one of those things of how much of it's real, how much of it's an act. Yeah. Dalton Castle just has two young men following him around and doing his bidding and he calls them his boys. There is no ambiguity into how he presents himself. And I think that's why this is a great choice, Simon, because in previous decades... 
the roles of babyface and heel going into this match and the idea of who was a a better representation of being a man yeah would be entirely different if you look at it this is like an inversion of say the rowdy roddy piper gold dust hollywood backlot brawl match from wrestlemania 12 only with less oj footage and less lingerie (laughs) but not non-lingerie but less lingerie And the commentator, I cannot remember which one it is that covers it, covers the story really well because I've done a Simon classic. I've picked the end of a feud uh, as a match to discuss. But he explains, obviously, that Dalton and Silas had like a disagreement after a singles match. Silas won a match where he got control of Dalton's boys and tried to teach them how to be real men. Silas then beat him again, but Dalton's boys were like, now we're going back to to Dalton, you're, you're kind of weird, making us chop wood in the forest all the time. Uh, and now we've ended up here. <laughs> Again, it's another gimmick I really liked when I first saw it with Silas Young, this idea of... I think we so often comment on how much younger everyone looks now compared to previous decades. I think that's partly because we... I mean, we eat un- less healthy than... And now than we did then, but we don't smoke as much and maybe we don't go out drinking as much and maybe we're just better at moisturising. And less of us work strenuous jobs. I certainly don't work a strenuous <laughs> job. I mean, it's supposed to be, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but what they also... Another theory I have on top of that, though, is that that's a lot of people who are ageing and just need to believe that they still look young, so they say that everyone else looks young. <laughs> What we're collect it's like a... Uh, ju- it's a collective delusion <laughs> that maybe there are a bunch of 21-year-olds going, no, you don't really look good for 39. <laughs> ah, at well, all. wait till they get there. Yeah. But Silas Young is like that, is like an evil Ron Swanson. If you tell me he's like 24 when this match takes place, now you're going to blow my mind. <laughs> No, I looked it up and I was wondering, is that what it is that he's fully embraced? I think he's about 36, 37 at this point. And it's curious because whilst he does it with the gimmick, I think if Vincent Mann had got his hands on this gimmick, and he could have done something interesting with it, he would have changed certain things. One thing is he would have probably made Silas Young change his moveset a bit more Mm. because he does like a somersault plunger to the outside, he does a springboard moon. Well, it's not like a springboard in the traditional sense, but I, I'm. I know what you mean. I... What you call it? It's where it's where they're bouncing the legs off rather than like planting their feet on the ropes and using it as a springboard. Yeah. Of his wrestling style, I, I was thinking if you were going to do like I'm a real man, it almost should have been kind of like an FTR sort of thing. In yeah. Insofar as they just do all the old school wrestling moves as well, like he tries to win the match with a full Nelson or something. <laughs> As opposed to all the stuff that they... You know, he doesn't wrestle a particularly out-of-time wrestling style. Mm. And Dalton Castle, on the other hand, I think his whole thing has always been kind of like a power wrestler. In many ways, I I, I wonder if um, Rick Boogs might have been a bit inspired by him. Although, because he, he does the whole strongman thing as well. There's certainly similarities, again, in sort of looks, but also in movesets. That he does things like deadlift German suplex. And this was around the time that deadlifting was becoming a very popular feature yeah. of... Well, not just the indie scene. Cesaro was doing like those deadlifts off the second rope to the inside on wrestlers in WWE as well. 
And I got I got why they did it because if you can't impress people with high flying moves necessarily, showing off your strength or showing that you got both elements because Ricochet also liked to do deadlift elements in his move set at this time as well in PWG. True. But at the same time, deadlifting doesn't really make sense as a thing to show off because shouldn't every lift in wrestling be a deadlift really? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess if you pull at that thread it all it all falls apart, <laughs> yeah. really, doesn't it? Let's not. Let's yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> But in this match, you're right, he, they reference his Greco-Roman style. That, that is his background. I'm trying to establish when his back break was, if this was before he broke his back or not. I think it was before, because I recall that he broke his back, then that put an end to his run with the world title, and he hasn't won the world title at this point. Ah. He was like probably the hottest act in the MIG card at this stage. And I remember the first time I saw Dalton Castle, well, actually, I saw his previous gimmick... On a Chikara DVD I had from one of the, like... He wasn't in the King of Trios, but I think he was in one of the, like, other matches on the card. And his character was Ashley Remington, I think his character's name was. And his gimmick was basically, he's a really nice guy. Like, a sincerely nice guy. You know, he's always that, that, that hidden, what's underneath, is he actually an evil bastard? Yeah. But he actually sincerely seems to be a pleasant person to everyone at the end of every match he give he give his opponent a complimentary fruit basket (laughs) which is fantastically chikara gimmick and then i see him make this entrance as dalton castle and i remember it was to challenge jay lethal for a title match because donovan dijak had won a top prospect tournament and he was supposed to challenge but instead, Jay Lethal and his faction made him an offer and he joined them instead. Oh, okay. So Dalton Castle comes out and he'd been in the tournament and had got knocked out. And he comes out with his boys. And the moment that he lifted up his robe to reveal the literal, like, peacock design, like, literally peacocking. Again, just taking that that element of Ric Flair's character and just pushing it even further. And just seeing the level of detail that was in the costuming and his presence and everything. Immediately, that was like, I like this guy. (laughs) And then the crowd was into it. But then the crowd completely went for it when the boys arranged themselves as like, so so that Dalton Castle could lie across them like he was hedonism bots. (laughs) Again, if it had been like 2002, 2003 Ring of Honor, Dalton Castle would have probably had to have been the heel to Silas Young's no-nonsense baby face again. Yeah. I mean, funnily enough, the very, very first, not match, I suppose, but angle of the very first Ring of Honor show was a tag team called the Christopher Street Connection come out. And their whole thing was that they weren't gay for show. They went full on, like they kissed each other, deeply, passionately kissed each other in the ring. <laughs> and then the hit squad came out who were just like, spam opponents you know their finishing move was the burning hammer so it's not like Kentakabashi I only do the burning hammer seven times in my entire career yeah the hit squad was like my partner will do the Misawa finisher and then I'll do the Kabashi finisher right and probably at some point someone probably kicked out of it so again it's just one of those things about how wrestling and maybe society was changing in a way in a positive mm. and that it was Dalton Castle was another figure on that road and you know he becomes so popular that he ends up being the guy that beats cody for the ring of honor world title about a year or so later uh, but unfortunately as you say the injuries and then like when we first suggested this idea you were like you'd probably just seen dalton castle yeah 
And now it's like, again, just so many wrestlers get lost in the shuffle. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's on Ring of Honor, but I'll be honest, I haven't paid any. I believe that right now the people in charge of Ring of Honor on screen are Stokely Hathaway and Jerry Lynn. I think that's correct, yes. But I've not watched, I'll be honest, I've not watched a single episode of the show. No, me neither. Since it came under Tony Khan control. Yeah. Well, the whole bleeding into AEW thing, if anything, Mm. it made me like resent it a little bit. Because I watch AEW to be AEW. I didn't watch it to be Ring of Honor. I'm glad it lives in its own world, but I only have so many hours in a day. And I have other interests, so... So did you kind of wish that Dalton Castle had stayed in AEW rather than migrated back to Ring of Honor? I'd have happily took that. Um, if there was like a trade of some people I thought were being underutilized on AEW, which now are um, getting their flowers, so to speak, on Ring of Honor, like Stu Grayson, for example. But I'd have gladly took Dalton Castle because I think that gimmick can work now. It can work anywhere. In the time uh, you were talking about with the Hit Squad... It would only have worked in certain places. With it, with Vince in 2002 and 2003, one dreads to think. Well, Vince now, what you dread to think. Well, the whole point of Dalton Castle's uh, storyline with Silas is that there's more than one way to be a man. Yeah. And also that Silas Young, he does things that are like, that's a bit of a shortcut. Like in the middle of the match, he's in a slugfest with Dalton Castle. Dalton wins the slugfest, so... Silas Young does a back rake on yeah. him. Yeah. Just little things like that that are obviously part of what the story's supposed to be told. And he does a low blow as well for like a real man. He's the one that goes to that cheap shot. It is curious the way that it's booked. It is unconventional in the sense of certain elements of the face heel dynamic because it's the baby face that has two people come in and genuinely interfere in the match. Not even slightly either. <laughs> Yeah, and aid the babyface against the heels. And if it's like... Well, again, I guess I suppose it's like... Because the boys are meant to be so ineffectual. Yeah. That maybe it's sort of like... It's about as effective as Miss Elizabeth finally slapping Ric Flair <laughs> at WrestleMania 8. But it's still an odd spot in so many ways. I don't know if it's because I've watched a lot of Rick and Morty recently... But there's the episode where Rick has an assassin come afterwards. It's where he takes Jerry to the place where no one can die and then it all goes wrong. And they're cornered at one point and Jerry decides he's going to try and save Rick. So jumps on Rosasa Groupon, uh, the guy is that's trying to assassinate Rick. And uh, Jerry shouts, I'm being triumphant and brave. And the guy's just like, you're being neither triumphant or brave. And that's kind of like what happens to the boys. Yes, I suppose. Yeah. Did you know, I mean, there have been other people that have been boys, I'm sure you know, were once Kyle O'Reilly and one other person was the boys for Dalton Castle in a match in PWG. But best of all, this was around the time Ring of Honor were in a working relationship with New Japan, and one Hiroshi Tanahashi (laughs) played one of Dalton Castle's boys at Karakuen Hall. That's amazing. That might be a match we'll have to try and unearth. To, to do it for a future. It's like how Akada keeps uh, nicking the Young Bucks' gear and always dresses in it. It's curious watching Ring of Honor at this point because, as you say, I was a big, you know, ROH bot back in the day. But this was at my least interest of what Ring of Honor had on offer at the time. Which is strange in a way because when you look at it, it's a pretty well-presented product. But it just didn't feel like this is the cultural epicenter. This is where the exciting things are. And this is where the very best of indie wrestling was taking place. Because this match in and of itself, I would say, is like, if you're being kind, it's three and a half stars. 
good TV main event, few blow off, but nothing spectacular. Well done for what it is. Mm. And also, I suppose it also doesn't help that now that we see every mid-card feud in AEW getting blown off with just insane bloody spectacles of tables and barbed wire and everything else. Yeah. This does look a little bit tame in comparison, a bit cookie cutter. But as I said, what I do like is that the the dynamics of the characters are really well played here. And uh, it is very well done for what they're supposed to do. There's no visible botches. There is a, a section in the middle that we don't see. They did a commercial break and they didn't keep the footage in for whatever reason. Yeah. Even though this was a retrospective YouTube It's kind video. of like a good way of doing it. If it's the direct port of the TV match. Because it cuts out for the TV viewer. All that setting up of the table and the ladder. They cut to commercial, come back and it's all just done for you. Like... That... If that's what was in the match, but we don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose it's like how I say... So often some of the matches, they get all the love from Meltzer and everyone from AEW because we get the fight TV version with those quite languorous two minutes in between. It kind of loses us and has to win us back in a way that maybe it didn't for Meltzer if he was watching it just on the TNT or TBS feed. Potentially, potentially. And look, we've all been to live TV tapings. Well, not not we all, but both of us have. And we've we've seen the chin locks and all that stuff. So, yeah. You know, from a TV perspective, do I ever want to watch someone fiddle around with a ladder? There is one moment, it's not a botch, but it's a good save, just in terms of the flow of the match. Where Silas is clearly looking for like a chair and can't find it amongst all the confetti. Well, yeah, I was going to say. Dalton comes over to him and they work a quick spot, which I think involves Dalton chopping the ring post to buy time for... So, like someone to go it's there just grab that no i mean that must have been in place because then they play it off later on where he goes to do it again ducks and then castle's able to see it coming and stops himself mm. but i do agree with you that the streamers are a visual impediment to everyone yeah ring of honor brought in streamers when they started getting japanese wrestlers come in they first did it i think for when the Great Muta came at the end of 2003, which was the event that Punk is referencing where he pretends to be homicide, saying, I'm going to wrestle Kojima, Lariat, Lariat. And that took off. And so they kept doing it for other Japanese wrestlers. But then they just started doing it for their guys. Samoa Joe started getting the stream of treatment for a lot of his matches. Mm. And then it just becomes fucking... Every big event, every wrestler gets at least a streamer of some sort from the crowd. Yeah. And obviously, it can't have just been for this event, because at various points when they do go under the ring to produce ladders or chairs or whatever, there's about 15 layers of streamers surrounding them. It was hard to detect where the steel chair was that one of the boys threw into the ring because so much streamers (laughs) were covering it. (laughs) What's that paper mache ghost? Oh, it's it's made of steel. <laughs> Streamers were to Ring of Honor what blading is to AEW. <laughs> to John Moxley explicitly. Well, it's not just him. Let's not forget, it's not just him. Not to date us, but it's not just blades now either. Yeah. I think this is good for what it is. I think it's a good display of Dalton Castle. 
I'm sure he's had better matches. He's obviously had bigger matches. But you can see why he was on this journey to win the title. But just at the time when Ring of Honor just didn't seem that relevant. The big mm. indie at the time was PWG. That was like this sense of it being this epicenter of every great indie wrestler was going to PWG. WWE was not hot, really, particularly. Well, the talent, well, had been, like, drained. Because you've got yeah. to remember, this match goes out a 9th of April 2016. Like, the week before, at, in the previous seven days to that, Sami Zayn had making his final match uh, on NXT, like the WWE indie at the time. Yeah. So, you know, Kevin was already there. Kevin Steen had already become Kevin Owens. The well was drying up. So Ring of Honor wasn't providing that alternative to the fan base. The fan base had it with PWG, it had it with NXT, it had it with New Japan that was doing some of its best stuff. And if you compare this to like, when Ring of Honor would bring in New Japan for their shows, it was like the New Japan guys were just pretty much winning every match. Every big match was a New Japan win. Because mm. it was like they were doing Ring of Honor a favour. Whereas now with the Forbidden Door stuff, it's obviously a bit more even Stevens. Yeah. I mean, it's curious when you look at what else was on on the show for this episode of Ring of Honor TV. There was It was a three-match show. The other two are War Machine facing off against Rapongi Vice for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. Oh, okay. And it was a singles match between Kenny Omega and ACH. I think this was just before... Yeah, this would have been the year that Omega wins the G1 Climax, but obviously we're still not there yet. He's at this point where he's just become leader of the Bullet Club. Oh, um, okay. Graduating okay. from the junior scene. But yeah, I, WWE was like at this weird place of like, both doing good and bad stuff at the same time, but definitely being like that cultural epicenter for all wrestling fans. And Ring of Honor was just kind of a, a nothing burger. But those that were still loyal to the product clearly were loving guys like Dalton Castle. Yeah. But it's just a case of him be like Jay Lethal as well. Just those guys who were like big to Ring of Honor, but not really big outside of Ring of Honor. Yeah, they sort of live in their own encapsulated bubble. Jay Lethal's a great shout for that. Yeah, it's like like how big a deal Josh Alexander is in Impact. Yeah, it's, just, it's like, eh, alright, fine. But it doesn't carry over, if I guess, if... Yeah, like, this isn't going to be an episode that's going to get a ton of downloads. I don't think, like, I was like, finally, they're talking about 2016 Ring of Honor <laughs> and Dalton Castle and Silas Young. I compared to my last pick, this is, uh, this is an uptick. Oh, there's shoot fighting in my future. I can smell it. <laughs> Let's just make this clear in viewing them, not me coming to your room and putting you in a, a heel hook no. of some description. Not yet, anyway. Time will tell. <laughs> mm. Do you have anything else to add about the match? Uh, no, not really. Like it, It's weird, obviously, because it's in such a... I don't want to say rinky-dink place, but it's not. Watch early Ring of Honor, then you'll see what rinky-dink is. You can see the bloody basketball hoop still from mm. the rec centre. Uh, you know, it's kind of like understated pageantry, but that weirdly makes Dalton work. His, his gesture when he sends the boys away, just everything about him just leans into the character so much. But none of it seems cheesy. Yeah, I do feel sorry for him that through timing and everything, he was, like you say, he was this interesting update on what could have been a cheesy thing, but he gave enough uniqueness to it. This idea of him being this sophisticate, mm. liking wine and all that stuff, and just being utterly unashamed of who he is. Again, the core message of this 
feud was you don't need to listen to someone else's idea of what you've got to be be yourself yeah be confident in yourself and that was what the boys learnt in this <laughs> run this is around the time we were going on i suppose about the chekhov's gunning of all those champa gargano matches mm. and you got a really good example of it in this match where just as we're coming out of commercial break silas young is setting up a table and then Quite a long time into the rest of the match, even though the whole match, I think, is about 15 minutes of what we saw. Dalton Castle's going for his bangerang finisher, which is where he's got you... Sort of like how Hardcore Holly has you set up for the Alabama Jam, or um, Adam Page has you set up for the Deadeye. Yeah. But Silas Young was holding onto the top rope, so he was staying horizontal. He wasn't, like, held. But because of where he's positioned, Dalton Castle... You can say he realises it, just pushes the legs up in the air and backdrops him out over the top rope and through the table. Uh, it's, it is a great bump as well. It's like, the crowd are like, oh my God! It's, but it's not like too dangerous. It's not over the top. It's relatively simple kind of thing. It's not that, oh, um, it's got to end up in like a hyper mega death. And now we're getting to the point where it's not putting someone through a table. It's literally breaking a table, breaking someone's face through a table kind of thing. Now, it... Uh, I don't know. The whole last few, like tables, tables will always be there in wrestling. I don't know. There's there's only so many ways you can cut that particular yeah. cake, you know. And for them to do something, like can't say that I've seen a lot. I forgot that the table was there when they did the spots. Yeah, you know that's me giving them credit there. It's a spot that's as you say used. I'm pretty sure every house show WWE does now has a table spot. <laughs> Botchmania would certainly suggest that every indie show has one as well. <laughs> So for them to be able to do something that felt a little bit fresh yeah, was appreciated. Although I wish that had been then what led to the finish, which was him. But they went on for a bit more after that. But it's a good enough pick, Simon. I'm not going to get too mad at you. Thank you. Thank you. And for our next episode, we're going back to Silver Screen Visions. We're watching a documentary, but maybe not one of the better known documentaries to do with pro wrestling. This is covering the promotion Gaia which was a Joshi promotion in the late 90s, not a hot period for Japanese women's wrestling, and it's really a harsh, uncompromising portrayal of the harsh, uncompromising life of being a Japanese women's pro wrestler. And it's called Gaia Girls, G-A-E-A. You can find it on YouTube, and that's what we'll be covering for the next episode. Simon, do you want to get into the socials and everything? Of course, why I'm hosting, of course. Um, if people want to get in touch with, on Twitter, with myself, they can get in touch with me at Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of people in Dalton Castle's entourage, if you cheat and include Dalton Castle himself. And for yourself, Logan? My name's Logan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N, that are the A-N, which is the second from last letters in Silas and Young. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put my at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show by um, either tweeting at LMTYSPod. LMT, let me tell you something, pod is also our Facebook handle. Um, let me tell you something, podcast is also available on Patreon, so you can drop us a few pennies. So maybe in the future we can do documentaries that aren't freely available on YouTube. Um, and of course, if you want to email us directly, you can do so at LMTYSPod at gmail dot com but there's nothing really left for me to say except that my name's simon cross and my name's Lorcan mullen thank you for letting us tell you something have a great week until the next week